Today's topic is Marasayin. And we start by mentioning that the Gemara says um, that blood from a fish is mutter minadin, it's mutter, but you can't eat fish blood that's in a cup, like a whole cup full of it, from a cup, because people are going to think um, that the person is drinking um, animal blood. That's what it looks like, you know, it looks like that. Um, and you're not allowed to do that because of Marasayin. Um, and so today we're going to be talking about different types of marasayin. So just as a little introduction to that, I'm just going to mention that Rashi is Rashi in two different places gives different explanations for uh, marasayin. In Croesus, which is the Gemara I just mentioned, he says the issue is um, people will think that you're you're allowed to eat it. He says people by seeing what you do will say, oh, you're a person who does the din, follows the din, and so they'll say, oh, if he does it, then I'm allowed to do it also. And Rashi in Avodah Zarah says um, that the issue is it might make people think that you uh, you are an Isser. They'll think you did an Isser, um, which is connected to a, a mission in Shkalim about V'yisim Nikim, Tenato Aperis. And the Acharnim speak about if there's a difference between these reasons, when they different apply, one applies versus the other one. Um, that's not today, just, just mentioning that idea. So we're going to talk about Marasayin, uh, Kashrus related issues of Marasayin in three different areas. First, possible Cholov then other um, uh, kosher and trave, and then other issues that are not either of those. So, okay, talking about possible hall. So, the Ramah says, uh, extension of the Gemara that I just mentioned, the Gemara about drinking blood, and that's not so relevant to us, but Ramah gives an extension that you shouldn't eat meat with almond milk, um, because people who see you doing that will think, won't realize that it's not cow's milk, uh, which of course would be also to eat milk and meat together. So Ramah says what you should do is put almonds on the table so people will realize that what you're drinking is not cow's milk, it's, it's almond milk, which of course is parv, and you can eat that with meat. Um, and the same kind of ideas for us, are rel- it's of course relevant to that specific case, but also relevant, to, let's say you have a parv margarine or non-dairy creamer at a fleshig meal, or you make a cheeseburger with soy meat, or soy cheese, I'm sorry, or, or vegan meat. Uh, in all those cases, someone who's looking at what you're doing thinks that you're eating basu b'chalot, so to avoid maris ayin, there needs to be some kind of a hecker, some kind of a, something that shows that this is actually not what it looks like. It's not as bad as it seems. So when it's at home, it's not, not, not a big deal. It's easy to make the hecker. Like, for example, you know, if you drink, if you have almond milk with at a, at a fleshing meal, you just bring the container of almond milk to the table instead of putting it into a neutral container, and everybody can tell that this is now using almond milk. At a cater at catering events, uh, they don't really want necessarily put out a, a, a container of almond milk. Um, so what they do is. There'll be a card on the table, like a, a little, they call it a tent card, a little card sitting on the table, and tells all the things about the hashkacha of t- today's event, and included in there, it'll say that the milk or the creamer is parv. So that that's the, what they consider the hacker. Um, now, some people want to say that nowadays um, it's so non-dairy milk and non-dairy creamer are so common that, that um, no one's gonna be choshish that you're drinking. Uh, Re- having real milk. I, I don't think that most people accept that. Uh, there is such an argument. Um, I don't think most people accept that argument nowadays. Now, this idea of putting out like a card on the table at a catered event, that works fine because at a catered event, um, everyone's sitting at the table and everyone's eating the same food. So we know that at every table there's going to be uh, we're going to be serving non-dairy creamer, let's say, at the end of the meal with a coffee. So we know what we're doing. So we put out this card for the, for that for this event. But what about, how does that work in a restaurant? Like, in a restaurant, only some people are going to be ordering the cheeseburger that's made with the soy cheese, for example. Um, so what do we do? How do we make a hecka for those people? And even if we could figure out what to do for those people, 
What about the people who order food to go? They don't come, they're not in the restaurant altogether. They just walk in, take their food, and walk out the door with it. So how are we going to make a hecker for all these people um, to make it so people won't, there won't be a minor sign that the people are eating milk and meat together? So Rebelsky said, if you look at the Ramah that, I, that we mentioned, um, you'll see an answer to this question. Because Ramah says that the way you make a hecker for the person eating almond milk with his fleshings is to put some almonds on the table. So Rebelsky said, you know, almonds on the table is a really subtle hint that this is almond milk. It's not so in your face. And not only that, not everyone's going to put together and realize, oh, the almonds is because the milk is coming from almonds. It's it's rather, it, it's it's a little bit um, vague or subtle, uh, but even so, that's good enough. So that tells us that a hecker doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, it's good enough as long as it's reasonably effective, even if it's not 100% perfect, that's good enough. Uh, and therefore, Belsky said, um, if the menu... And if you put onto the menu, um, or the, you know, the people order from, and you put onto the receipt, you mentioned that the cheeseburger, in the example I gave, is made with power of a cheese or something else, whatever it is that you want to get across that the thing is not so, it is what it, that it's not what it looks like, that alert, alerts most people of the truth that, that this thing is not possible halif, and that's good enough as the hacker of what we need to do, um, even though it's not perfect, it's close enough, and it's good enough, just like the almonds on the table, and that's considered a good hacker. Now, one more case of Bas Bechalov is that in recent years, companies have been trying to make uh, things that seem like meat in a lab, and they, without any animals. Okay? They have all kinds of reasons why they do it. They want to save the environment, um, for vegetarians, all kinds of things like that. So, most of the times, that process starts off with cells from an actual animal, the very beginning of the process, and it raises all kinds of questions about uh, maybe it's trafe, and maybe, well, of course, whether it's flesh, all kinds of serious issues that is. But there's at least one company that came up with a way to do this without that low shyness. However, however their, their, their technology is, they have a way of doing this without using um, anim- something that came from a living or, for that matter, a dead animal. Um, excuse me. So the, when, when they looking at this, the, the, the meat, so to speak, what, what looks like meat that they create is parv. Assuming, of course, the ingredients that are used are parv, which well, that wasn't a big deal to make the ingredients kosher parv. But the the ikra din would be is that it's that it would be parv. But Roshetta said and others that even so, we should treat this as flashings. even though it knows everything about it is, is din wise. It's parv. We should treat it as flashings. And the logic is that mid, he said like this it's along the lines of a sign. He said, you know, midderaisa, you're allowed to have poultry with milk. You're only not allowed to have meat with milk, but you can have chicken with milk. But Chazal said, um, if you eat, if people, they see people eating chicken with meat, then they're going to confuse and think you're allowed to eat Basa B'chavo. So it's a, it's a type of Marasayim, not exactly, but a, like a type, type of a Marasayim. He says, uh, how much more so is that true when you have a th- thing that looks exactly like a piece of meat and you're eating that with milk? It just happens to be by mistake, so to speak, power, uh, or, or through this fancy technology that they ended up making it power. So he said, um, in these cases, you, we should consider it flashings, uh, as, as smart as Chazal were to say that um, that uh, we shouldn't eat chicken with milk. They also, this is including those. So it's not exactly Marasayim, but it's, a, it's similar. It's a similar idea to Marasayim. Okay, now let's move on to, uh, from Basa B'chol to Kasher and Treif. So, um, Shulchanach says that if we have an egg, which we're certain it came from that this egg is not fertilized. However, you, pro- you you could be certain about that. But let's just, if we're certain that it's not fertilized, then if you find blood spots in those in that egg, the ikaradin is, those blood spots are mutter. You're allowed to eat, even the blood itself, you're allowed to eat. 
but the Shulchan Aruch says, but it's Marasayim, because people, it looks like um, you're eating the blood from a uh, chicken, uh, either, I'm, I don't remember if it's because they think you're eating your regular blood, or I think it's from blood of a chicken that was fertilized, I don't, uh, from an egg that was fertilized, I don't remember. Anyhow, so the, the Shulchan Aruch says, you, could, you cannot eat, it, it, because of Mars Ayin, you shouldn't eat that blood. Now, it happens to be, the Shulchan Aruch says, you can eat the rest of the egg. And, but Ramosha says that the minig is, we throw out the whole egg when we find a blood spot. In, in the eggs that we have, by and large, most eggs that we have are eggs that would qualify as, um, not that we can be certain that they're not fertilized. Um, so the Ramosha says the minig is, we throw it out anyhow. Okay, anyhow. So it's a Mars Ayin. So the person uh, looks like he's eating uh, blood, or blood from a fertilized egg. So to avoid marasayim, we tell him not to eat it. Now, a couple of halachas later, it's not exactly the same din, but a similar, a related din. The Ramah says like this. If the blood is only us because of marasayim, um, if the blood is only us because of marasayim, then it's only the blood itself that you can't eat. But if the blood got mixed into other food and you can't get it out, like it's lost in this other food, then the this mixture of foods is, is mutter. And the Shach says the reason is because Things that are us because of Maris Ayin are not inherently usher. The, the thing itself is not usher. Um, like, and I, I, as a proof to that is, if you had a hecker on the table, it would be perfectly fine to eat it. So it's not usher, not inherently usher. It's just usher because of the Maris Ayin. So therefore, when these things are mixed into other foods, they don't they don't cause the other food to become usher. It's only they themselves that are usher. But when they mix into other things, it's, it doesn't make them usher. So that's what the Ramah says, together with the Shach, explains this um, this din. Uh, and not only relevant to this, not only for this specific case of, of blood spots or similar things like that. Anytime it's maris ayin, the thing itself is what is not usher. I'm sorry, the thing, you, thing itself is what you shouldn't do. But mixed into other items, it's okay to have that. Now, um, another thing about about treif is Ramosha says you can't go into a treif restaurant and order something kosher. I don't know, like a, an apple. You know, sit down with an apple or a drink. Uh, and he says because it's maris ayin, because people think see you walking in, they're going to think that you're eating treif. Okay, now, others don't see it that way. They think they're more makel about that, uh, especially when it's like a business meeting, etc., where people understand that that a person might be going in for a business-type meeting, not because he's eating trade, but because he has to meet people there who are not kosher. Um, so these these types of trials are very uh, individualized and very, you know, price can take different stands on it. So if a person has a question about this, they should definitely ask the rabbi. I'm just bringing up that there's such an issue. Now, <clears throat> one case where, <clears throat> just as far as I know, everybody's makel is, when you're buying food from a rest stop on the highway. Because there, everybody knows that the reason why a Jewish person is walking in there and buying something is because it's the only way to buy something. So he wants to buy himself a, a, a drink, uh, he wants to buy something that's, uh, I don't know, an orange. Uh, they understand that he's buying it there not because <coughs> he's eating treif. Everyone who looks at it see, <coughs> realizes that the person is just buying the kosher items there, and therefore there's no marasai in that case. Okay, so now let's go back to the restaurant case I was talking about a second ago. Let's say it's a situation where, for whatever reason, the person's rough told them that they're allowed to uh, go to this event. They could eat at this non-kosher restaurant, so obviously they're only going to eat kosher. For whatever reason, they're not worrying about the modern science of it, and they can eat kosher. But even so, it leaves them still a little bit um, uncomfortable. Here they're sitting, let's say, for a business meeting. So they're sitting there, <clears throat> one Jewish person with uh, three people who are not Jewish, and they're eating these big fancy meals, and all he's doing is sipping on a Pepsi, or he's eating an apple. So there's a little discomfort. Okay, and listen, you know, that's what you have to do. But a caterer says, I have a, I have a way to solve this problem. I can deal with it. And he said like this. He did this. He went to some restaurants, some trafe restaurants, <clears throat> bought and 
asked and worked it out with them that he got from them brand new dishes and silverware that match exactly what they were using. He bought, when it was brand new, they have they bought you know another hundred sets of, of plates and silverware, and he took a handful of them. And then what he did was he made kosher meals, put them onto these dishes, put in the silverware, wrapped the whole thing up, and gave it to the restaurant in the freezer, all wrapped and sealed as a kosher meal. And then he told them, if a Jewish person has a meeting, what you do is you he'll let you know that he's coming. When he comes, you'll microwave the meal in the sealed container, and then he'll place an order. He'll say, I'm ordering uh, whatever, whatever. Well, he knows what's there. And then, uh, when it's time to serve him, the waiter will call him out to the side. He'll watch him unwrap it, so see that the seals are really intact, and I'll see him bring it to the table. <clears throat> and then the Yid will know that he's getting a kosher meal. And then he can sit and eat his, his chicken lo mein, I don't know, whatever he wants to eat, <clears throat> the same as everybody else is eating. <clears throat> um, knowing that he's eating kosher meal, it's on the same dishes, and he'll feel perfectly comfortable eating with all these people, um, doing their thing. Now, just, just as an aside, before I get to the, what we want to talk about is, the plan here is that once the meal is over, the waiters will take his dish and throw it into, well, mix it with all the rest of the trafe ones. It will be, it's a, it's a one-time use as kosher. Once it's out on the table with the trafe, of course, they don't treat it as kosher anymore, um, which is fine, because that's the restaurant's <clears throat> silverware and dishes anyhow. It's exact match to them, so for them, that's just another one of their dishes. So, um, this is someone came up with this idea of a way to um, allow people who keep kosher, to eat in the Trafe restaurant, perfectly kosher food, uh, at this business meeting, and not feel uncomfortable that they have to eat, uh, just, you know, just munch on some nuts or apple or whatever it is. And Rabelsky was very upset about this. And he said, he said, there's obvious Marzayan over here, because the Yid is eating a meal that looks just like everybody else. It looks exactly like the Trafe meal. It's on China with regular silverware in a Trafe restaurant. Anybody walking by, it's obvious that this person is eating trafe. Or, or so it seems obvious he's eating trafe. So it's a terrible marasayin. So the only way to avoid that would be to, for, to to sort of be upfront and say, I need you to leave the, the wrappers and the seals on the table. That, in that case, okay, if you do that, <clears throat> then he said, <clears throat> that would be fine. Then then we have a hecker. Then you're doing something that's, that on the surface looks wrong. Um, it looks like a marasayin. But because the person made a hecker, um, therefore, that could avoid, uh, the hecker meaning of leaving the wrappers all there, not being so discreet and so private that makes him look super good, um, but rather, do like this, that would be a hecker, then it could be okay. Excuse me. Now let's move on to some not, not things that are not possible, not trafe, other types of marasayan that come up, that have come up at certified establishments. Um, first group have to do with um, Shabbos Yanta. So, kosher restaurants <clears throat> are closed on Shabbos, because you can't cook food on Shabbos, and you can't pay for food on Shabbos. So how, how are you going to be open? It's not possible to be open. Once in a while, a restaurant will come up with this idea that what they do is they're going to stay open for a specific Shabbos, and for, people will prepay for their meals. So the, 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 there will be a limited menu. The people will prepay for the, the food they're going to eat or from a buffet that they're going to eat from. The food is prepared before Shabbos and follows all of Hilcha Shabbos of how it's heated up or stayed kept warm, etc., um, and the people, but the restaurant essentially will be open, so the restaurant is open for, for business, but not really open for business, open for these people who prepaid to come eat in there. And Hashkachas take different views on whether this thing is Marasayan or not, because the Marasayan, the potential Marasayan here is that you see a Jewish person walking into a kosher restaurant on Friday night or on Shabbos morning, it sure seems like he's doing something wrong. I mean, not, you don't think he's doing trave because it's a kosher restaurant, but something seems very fishy about this. Um, so some, you know, people take a different stance on whether that's okay or not. Uh, and this is a type of situation, but where the hacker is, seems more reasonable, which is 
it could be a, sign, a, a nice size sign on the front door saying that the store is closed, it's only for prepaid customers, uh, or something like that to make it obvious, just like putting almonds on the table, this might be a way to make a hecker to avoid a mara sign. Okay, now, now moving to a different type of situation on Chavez. Um, one situation where a yid, where a guy could do malacha for a yid on Chavez Yontev, is if he does it at Daita Dinafshi. He's doing it for his own benefit. He has some reason why it's good for him to do this on this day, and not because someone no, no one told him to do it now, and the yid doesn't need him to do it now, but it's to, for the guy's benefit to do it on that day. Now, that heter of Daita Dinafshi does not apply when he does the work on a Jew's property, because of Marasayin, that people will think <clears throat> if I see the if I see the guy doing malacha on the in the Jews' property, it will look like he was asked to do it on that day. And that would be the, most people would assume that's what happened, and that would be a Marasayin that the Yid told him to do the work on Shabbos. Um, so Rosh said, as because of that, if a restaurant um, a restaurant that wants to get deliveries on Shabbos or Yontif. And the restaurant's owned by someone who's not Jewish. And Zadai did the nafshik, whatever the case was, Zadai did the nafshik to get the delivery on that day instead of on a different day. Whatever business reasons he has for not getting the delivery that day, he said um, a restaurant should not have deliveries coming on Shabbos for, for also for a, uh, this variation of the of the Marasayin that is being done on the Jew's property. Um, it's not a Jew's property here because it's a non-Jew's restaurant, but again, it's the same idea, which is it looks like um, he's doing it for the Yidden. That means his customers or, or someone else who's in, a Jewish person who's involved with it, even though he's really doing Daitid Nafshi, but that was a Marasai. Now, on one more type of situation like this that came up was was also an OU situation. Um, there was a trade show in China uh, and it started on Yom Tif. So the OU had a representative who went to trade shows for them or whatever else he did for them. And the deal was they paid him a, fix, a fixed salary per year. And on top of that salary, they gave him a bonus for each account that, through his work, ended up getting certified. So this uh, non-Jewish representative said he wanted to go to the show on Yontif. He wouldn't get paid any more for that. It wasn't like he was going to get... His salary was a set amount, but he wanted to do it because he wanted to get a bigger bonus. He thought maybe he could bring in some customers on that day. Um, so he was doing it as a dieted shape. So first, Roshachter said, no problem, because the show was in China. There's no Yidin living in any place over there, and that's one of the rules of... of Marasayin, that in, in, in certain situations, or cases like this, where the Marasayin is because it's being done on a Jew's property, if it's if it's not in the Yishuv, uh, then it's okay. Um, so that was at first what he thought. But then um, he said, you know, th- that that sounds right, but the problem is that there might be Jewish people who are not religious who are going to come to the show. I mean, it's just a trade show. And they will think that to them, they'll look at it. So basically, it's like Jews are around. They're going to see the OU's booth or the OU's person is around and doing his thing. It'll look like the OU told the, the guy to come on that day, even though, in truth, it was a date to the And therefore, he thought they shouldn't do it. Okay, now let's move to some other, a couple other things of Marasayin, related, again, related to food and hashkacha. Uh, one is, this is not for hashkacha, this is from a private, is that um, if someone has a live-in maid who's not Jewish, um, then they can. That person cannot eat their even on Pesach cannot eat even their own chametz in the Jew's house or on their property, because people will think that the yid gave the chametz to her. Um, it's specific to people who are long-term employees, where the, and where the yid is responsible for feeding them. So that's why I use the example of live and maid. Uh, and the people will think that the yid is responsible to feed her. She's eating uh, pizza or bread. People will think that that it was given to her. Um, that that's the yid did as a way to. Uh, satisfy his obligation to feed her, uh, and therefore, you're not allowed to do that. Okay, now, moving to another case, um, if 
someone who's not Jewish owns something, uh, a dish or a silverware or any kind of kalim, they do not they do not require to have tefillah's kalim. So therefore, um, Shachanach says that if a person if it comes Shabbos and a person has something that they need to use and they didn't title it, we don't title things on Shabbos. So what should he do? So what he should do is give it to someone who's not Jewish and um, give it to someone who's not Jewish and that person now won't be chayv and tefillah because since it's owned by someone who's not Jewish it's not chayv and tefillah and as an aside we do the same kind of a thing for we have very large kalim that are not physically possible to table also they give it to a guy and uh, avoid the possibility of tefillah so the Taz says that back to our case of Shabbos that when Shabbos is over so when Shabbos is over the, the, the plate or the, or the bowl or whatever or the dishes still belong to the guy so it doesn't, it's still not chayv and tefillah but the Taz says after Shabbos you should still do tefillah without a bracha and the reason is, and one of his reasons, is because of Marasayin, which is to say is, people are going to see um, that the Yid has this dish. He has it, the Yid is the one who's going to keep it, even though technically he gave it to the guy, he gave it ownership of it to the guy, but in practice he's the one who's going to have it. They'll, they'll see that he's using it without tefillah, and that's a Marasayin. And therefore, uh, to avoid the Marasayin, he should title it, uh, even though technically it's part of from the, from the Mitzvah. Now, it happens to be not everyone agrees with the Taz, but I want to focus on this on the, this sheet of the Taz, that because of Marasayin, the, the Yid table without a bracha, after Shabbos. Now, there's an obvious question on this, and the obvious question, see, I mean, obvious to me is, is, what's the Marasayin? How will anybody know that the Kli didn't have tefillah? How would anybody looking at it, how can you tell by looking at it, um, that if it did or didn't have tefillah? How would you know? So what's the Marasayin? Why will it look bad? It doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like it needs tefillah, because it doesn't look like it didn't have tefillah, because... Fishes don't look any different if they do or don't have tefillah. So what's the reason? What's the marasayin over here? So to answer that question, we turn to Pisgah Tshuva um, in Hilchas Chal, actually, uh, and where he says a similar type of a situation, and he says like this. He asked this, this question that I just, this type of question that I asked, and he said is, the rule is when something is also because of marasayin, it's also even b'chadri chadarm, even when nobody's around who can see it. No one, no one is there to see it. Even so, once something is also as marasayin, it's, it's also even though no one can see it. So therefore, he said, is even though no one can see if the seal was done, Lamaisa is Marasayin should apply. So just a worthwhile uh, point to hear. Just this a rule of Chajachadarim, and also how we apply it to this case. It feels can. Okay, one last case to talk about um, is where Marasayin leads to something something you might not have guessed how, that, how this would have led to that. And that is like this: if you have if you bake a loaf of bread, and it's a you have in mind that it will never be eaten by people. Let's say it's going to be for animals or, or just I'm not, never going to be eaten. The din is you're not mukhoyti mafashchal. Because um, no one's going to eat from it. You're not mukhoyti mafashchal. So Shukhanok says but if the bread that's true if what you made is basically a loaf of bread but it doesn't look like the kind of bread a regular loaf of bread. But what happens if you made this loaf that no one's going to eat from but you made it that it it looks exactly like a regular loaf of bread, then you should be mafeshchal. Um, you should be mafeshchal. So, Pesachot says, he says, when you're mafeshchal from this bread, it looks like regular bread, so the Shulchan said, be mafeshchal, but you're being mafeshchal from something that really doesn't need hafeshchal. It's not going to be eaten by people. So, Pesachot says, the reason why you're being mafeshchal is because of marasayin. It looks like all other loaves of bread, so therefore, the Shulchan Aruch saying, "Be mafreshchala," because it looks like it looks like every other loaf of bread. So the Mar saying that it looks like you're eating without you're, it looks like you baked bread and you weren't mafreshchala from it. So it looks like you did the wrong thing. So it's only high because of because of Mar So Shechta said, "Well, if so, 
if it's only chayiv because it's a maris ayin, that means is this loaf is actually not chayiv in Farshas Chala. So if I wanted to be mafresh from this loaf on some other loaf of bread, I would not be allowed to, because this is This loaf is really potted from Hafarshas Chala. Because the Marasayan, I, I so to speak, pretend that I'm being Marfresh Chala. But really, it's not Chayyim Hafarshas Chala. So I can't be Marfresh from this loaf on a different loaf. Okay, because this is potter from Chala. Min Hadin is potter from Chala. And the other loaf really needs Hafarshas Chala. So it's Min Hadin, you can't be Marfresh this thing. Okay, well, that sounds very, this all sounds very theoretical, but it actually is not. Roshachta said the real application for this, which is every year, um, the OU produces Tevel Matzah. They make Matzah. Um, they have Matzahs that are baked, and they are Chayven Hafarshashchala. They're never Mafarshchala. They are not Mafarshchala. And then they put these Tevel Matzahs, Matzahs that didn't have Farshashchala, into bakeries all over the place. So when they need to be Mafarshchala, they use it as a way to be Mafarshchala remotely. And we spoke about that other times. How they, could, they use this, they say Mafarsh from this Matzah on the cookies or bread or whatever it is that the bakery is making. So this Matzah, is matzah that um, it looks like every other matzah, of course. It looks like every other matzah. And the, the, but in truth, no one's going to ever eat from this. What's going to happen is, let's say they look at the box and they say, okay, this box of matzah, I can get a thousand harfarshas, or two thousand, how many harfarshas? They count up when they, when they've dealt, got all the harfarshas that they can, so to speak, out of it, they burn it. Or when it comes to the end of the year, they get the new ones. They destroy this matzah. No one eats this table matzah. So this is a matzah that was baked and no one's going to ever eat from it. So it's exactly the case that Shechonor described. It looks like a it looks like a matzah. It looks like a matzah that people would eat, but in fact, no one's going to eat it. And based on this Pesach Tshuva, we, sh- we are Mafresh Chala from it, but we're only Mafresh Chala because of Marasayin. It doesn't really need a Farshish Chala. So Shech said, if so, then you can't use this, you can't use this as the tevel to be mafresh on other ma- on, on things that really need on the bread that the bakery is making that which really needs a fresh salad because of the chiyav and it's what this he said it for the tevel matzah all the places like seriously like to use tevel dough the ba- they make batch that thing for sure it, it doesn't even look like regular dough it's not even because of marasayin that you have to be mafresh chal so, so but the point here is that here Rosh Hashanah saying a, line, a case where we're doing the fresh only because of marasayin so we're being extra careful do our fresh because of marasayin. But that means is really it's not chayiv in hafarshas chala, which in turn means <coughs> you can't use it to be mafresh for other things. So if you want to use the system, which lots of people do, they want to use this tevel matzah. He says what you should do is some of the tevel matzah should be <coughs> some of that matzah, some from the batch should be taken out. Someone should be mafresh chala from it and eat from it as a way that that we can now say that this uh, matzah is one that will be used for human consumption, so it was really chayim and hadin to do hafarshas chal, and then we could use it as a for other things.